When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For years, they've been anticipating this moment. And the first pitch in Double Ray history will go directly to the Hall of Fame. Celebrating 25 years of Tampa Bay Rays baseball. This is the Tampa Bay Rays 25th Anniversary Podcast. 3,000 base hits for Wade Boggs. And he hits a home run to do it. Host Neil Solons will be joined by members of the inaugural Hall of Fame class. Towards the alley, Crawford going over. Makes a headlong dive sensational flying catch in the alley for one away. We'll also honor the greatest teams, players, and moments in franchise history with special guests along the way. Longoria on the run. He gets there. The Rays are going to the postseason. Swing a ground ball to second. This should do it. Aki has it. Takes it to second himself. This improbable season has another chapter to it. The Rays are going to the World Series. Swinging a fly ball to right field. He's going to get it. Ben Zobers to there. And Matt Garza has no hit to the Detroit Tigers. It can't happen again, can it? Swing and a drive. Down the right field line. To the corner. It's gone. Are you kidding me? Dan Johnson with two strikes, two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Has just hit it out. And the Rays are tied at seven. There's still life. Here it comes. Swing a line drive down the left field line towards the corner. This one, it's gone! It's gone! Evan Agoria has just hit the race to the American League wild card. All the way to the wall, it's gone! A home run for Mike Brasso and sweet justice in San Diego. Here's a swing and a drive, right center field. Back at it goes, Betts to the wall. Get out of here, it's gone! It's a record setting ninth home run this postseason for Randy Arozarena. Swing, line drive, right center. It's a base hit. Kiermaier around third. He scores the tying run. And now they've got a call between third and home. The ball gets away. They just score Rosarena. The Rays have won. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to our latest 25th anniversary podcast. We had mentioned on the last one that uh, the last homestand for the Rays was really a homecoming of sorts. And on this show today, you're going to hear from two key people that were parts really of the 08 to 13 period uh, in terms of the Rays' success. Uh, first, we're going to hear from Andrew Friedman, who, of course, now heads up baseball operations for the Dodgers and was one of the architects during that 08 to 13 period where the Rays had their first real tremendous run of success. Uh, and then after that, we're going to hear from Jake McGee. Uh, Jake still is the all-time appearance leader for the Rays, and he recently threw out a first pitch and retired, essentially, as a Ray. Uh, and so I had a chance to talk with both of those individuals. And first, we'll start with Andrew Friedman. And one of the things that we touched on uh, first was about being back at this place. It was only the second time he had done so since leaving to L.A. Just overcome with incredible memories um the on-field success and memories but also just the relationships and um you know the grind that we all went through together um you know and such a unique 
period of time in that we were all so young and being a part of each other's weddings and when kids were born you know obviously it goes way above and beyond um, you know work colleagues and so those relationships have continued and will continue but tying it together with coming back into this building uh, is really special. When you started did you ever have doubt and when did you feel comfortable in the role that you were in coming from outside the game to in the game? I had a lot of doubt um, when Stu asked me to become the executive vice president. Uh, I told him I didn't think it made sense and that I would help him hire a GM and would work closely with him. And uh, Stu's point was, look, I've built a relationship with you. And when I have questions on the baseball side, I'm going to come to you, which isn't fair if we hire someone else. And I expect you to make mistakes, and I'll bet on you to learn from those mistakes and not repeat them, um, which definitely helped instill more confidence. But, no, I mean, I think I don't know when I felt like I quote-unquote belonged, but, uh, you know, I remember my first winter meetings uh, in 05 just feeling overwhelmed. And... I'd gotten sick leading into that and didn't handle certain trade discussions the right way. And at that point felt like Stu had made a terrible mistake. Um, but I think, you know, the support system of all of us kind of going through this together, uh, you know, definitely helped. And I feel like as a group, we collectively got better and better and learned from the mistakes that we made. Don Zimmer was the first inductee this year into the Race Hall of Fame. So tell me how he helped you grow into this role and what he meant to you as a sounding board. Uh, Zim had a profound impact uh, on my life, on my career. Um, he was way more open-minded to all the new things that were going on in baseball but also didn't want us to ever lose sight of how important the human touch and communication uh, was with players. And I think a lot of my ability to communicate with players and stressing the importance of it comes a lot from Zim and how much he would ride me about the importance of it and watching him be able to navigate, having hard conversations with players knowing when to pat him on the back, uh, and just how revered he was by all of our players uh, was something that I watched with in awe. Carl Crawford is also going into the Hall of Fame class. You helped negotiate his contract extension with the Rays. What do you remember about that time and that negotiation that stands out? Yeah, it was basically the first big thing I had done uh, in baseball. You know, Matt and I doing that together. And I just remember the agent kept coming back and saying, hey, look, this doesn't work for Carl. And this is really important to Carl. And when we finally concluded the negotiation before the press conference, we were sitting in the clubhouse for him to sign the contract. And Carl was like, hey, man, how much did I get? And what's, what are the details of the contract? That was great insight into how agents operate, <laughs> um, but uh, obviously worked out extremely well. I think worked out 
really well for him as well. It allowed him to not think about that aspect of the game and just focus on, you know, continuing to get better. And he did. Each and every year, Crawford kept adding uh, to his profile what he was doing in the box. Obviously, he was always an elite base runner and defender, but each year became a better and better hitter. Is it nice to think that those two are in the first Hall of Fame class? One was a huge mentor, one was the first guy you really signed? Yeah. It, you, know, you think back to those days and um, the impact that Carl had on the success of this franchise was immense. Uh, <clears throat> and Zim's as well, in a less obvious way than Carl's, but his value was immense as well. And it's special for Soot and Tom and the whole Zimmer family for that to be properly recognized. You've won a World Series ring, but you went to your first World Series here. Can you think back to that moment and what it meant to you at the time? Um, you know, I think that whole season, you know, had a storybook element to it. Early on, it was how long is this going to continue to then appreciate just how good we are. Uh, to the injuries that Carl and Longo suffered in Seattle that year, to thinking, oh, no, now we've lost the division, to how guys stepped up so that we didn't, um, and then going up 3-1 on Boston and you know getting to a situation where we had to play Game 7 and the nerves that went into that and them scoring early in Game 7, but us battling our way back. Uh, you know, Willie Ibar and Rocco with big hits in that game and then Aki stepping on second base, just the flood of emotions of that. Um, you know, I, I felt like we really had, a, I felt like we had a really good chance of winning that 08 World Series, but losing one of the games here obviously hurt and then we had some things go against us. Um, but that whole season, the solidifying of the culture of race baseball uh, is something I still feel like is impacting this group even today. Is there some level of pride for what they're doing here now in almost this second go-round? I mean, it's special for me in that they're close personal friends and I love watching them have success. Um, I think it is them doing uh, what we started together but they're doing it probably in even a better way and you know i think the world of eric and pete um and it's been really fun to you know sit back in the cheap seats and and admire and respect what they've done you relayed a story your first time you really got to know eric can you relay it to our fans in some way yeah, he was uh, an intern in 07, and I had not interacted with him much. And as we were going through the trade discussions with the twins, the Delman Young, Matt Garza, Jason Bartlett trade, I remember walking out of my office one night really late, and no one was around but Eric. So I went up to him and said, hey, the twins are asking us about Brendan Harris and Ben Zobrist and curious for your thoughts on their defensive value 
and then didn't think anything of it. Turned around, went back to my office, did some stuff, left, came back in the next morning, and Eric was sitting at his desk, going to my office, and he had slid a two-page essay uh, under my door um, with his thoughts to my question, which now in hindsight turned out to be 100% accurate, but it was how thoughtful the take was. Um, it was very nuanced and displayed exceptional feel for the game. And from that moment on, started bringing him into more meetings and um, became you know, a huge part of what we did from that moment on. Did you keep the essay? I don't know if I still have it. I'd love to go through some old files and see if I still do. I don't know. One more for me. I had many talks with you, and there was a point where you even mentioned the possibility of worried about burnout. What has allowed you to continue to be as driven as you are, as competitive as you are, and continue to strive and stay in the game? That's a good question. I don't know that I have the answer to it. Um, I'm afraid to slow down at all. Uh, I, I love having collective group success. And there are so many hours that go into this from so many different people and just how closely you're working with a large group of people um, is where I derive a lot of my own personal satisfaction. And so I feel like taking my foot off the pedal is doing a disservice to all of these people that I work with who are working their tails off to you know, help achieve uh, you know, a high level of team success. And, you know, I think achieving that as a group, the, you know, the ups and downs that come with that is something that I draw a lot of personal satisfaction from. And if I ever get to a point where I'm not, then it's time for me to step away. Well, in the meantime, I appreciate you sharing some stories with us and sharing some of your time. Hopefully we see you again, uh, maybe in another World Series soon. I like it. I'm in. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Certainly appreciate the time of Andrew Friedman and some really good stories that we had not heard before about Eric Neander and uh, many others. Um, in addition to that, as mentioned, we had a chance to talk with Jake McGee, and one of the things we touched on was about him deciding to retire as a Ray and how important it was for him. For me, it's kind of where I started and... Uh, I got drafted when I was 17 and was in the organization for 11 years. And, you know, I got my opportunity and learned a lot from all their pitching guys throughout the years and learned how my stuff played really well. And that pretty much got me, you know, I was able to play 13 years in the big leagues, but it was kind of Tampa and all the memories there. And, you know, it was just, you know, it's been a long time in Tampa overall, just nice. What uh, mattered to you when you came back and how nice was it to be back for a little bit? Uh, it was really nice to be back and throw out the first pitch and um, see everyone from the security there and the ushers. And, you know, that's what 
means the most to, you know, me and my family is, you know, make an impact in that way. And then be able to see everyone to like Friedman and Neander and Silverman to Scott Kersey catch my first pitch. And, you know, he used to catch, he used to catch me in the off seasons at university of Tampa. Like this just goes, goes pretty deep. It's nice. Now, how much time did you spend in the off seasons here? Were you here for a good portion until you moved out of the uh, organization? Uh, yeah, we were there from full time 2012 ish till 2020. So probably like eight years, over eight years there. And, you know, we worked out in the University of Tampa with a lot of other guys and stuff and worked out the trap when I was still with Tampa, but um, it, it was good. How difficult was it for you um, to retire after last season? Because I know in 21, you had a great year. You had over 30 saves. Yeah, I had a really good year in 21. Uh, and then 22, uh, you know, I my knee was kind of given out a little bit. And then when I got let go and went from the Giants to the Brewers and then was there for three weeks and then went to the Nationals for like three weeks, it was just too much and being away from family and then um, not knowing where I'd be the next year. And, you know, I think it was just time for my body and my knee and, you know, just everything was kind of breaking down. I was you know, happy to end it when I wanted to and on my terms, which is nice. There's not many players who get to do that. How old is uh, your daughter now? Uh, Roan's eight years old. Uh, she's in second grade now. Yeah. So, so how much did that play into it, too? Because she got to see you play. Uh, she mm -hmm. got to see what daddy did for a living. But there's probably something that's tugging at you at that age also. Yeah, definitely. And she um, she would notice a lot more when I'd be gone. And, you know, she it was very fortunate for the playing with the giants. So it was only three and a half hour drive from Reno. So that helped a lot. And then realizing if I played another year, I could be on any team and then wouldn't seem as much. And, you know, she's eight now and she's into sports now. And actually I signed up and I'm assistant coach for a softball team. So we've been doing that lately. How hard is that? Uh, as a, as a dad of a child on the team and you want to help, but you also want to know when to back off as a parent, you got to can't find that balance. Yeah, no, that's why I, I thought I'd have a little hard time with it, but it's been, it's been pretty good because she loves it and all of her teammates are good and, um, just trying to coach enough, but not too much and not try to separate her, which is good. And she's, she's had a good time. You have a, a low key personality. Do they, do the other parents know who you were? Or have any um, idea? The head coach knew, and then there a lot of the parents figured it out after a couple of weeks, and they're like, "Oh, like I Google your name, and then didn't realize you played for so long in the big leagues." <laughs> and then the girls on the little girls on the team started figuring it out too, and you know, it, it it's it's been really cool. Tell me what stands out when you look back at your career. I mean, you mentioned parts of thirteen seasons in the plus in the big leagues, and I assume you got your your ten years plus to get the pension. I mean that that means a lot too. But what do you what stands out to you overall? Um, for me, just being able to play so long and then doing really well in Tampa, and then having ups and downs in Colorado, and then when I went to the Dodgers and kind of found myself again, and you know got a second end of my career which is really nice and I got like three more years out of it but overall I think my career like having success just throwing my fastball and sticking with that and the times when I wasn't doing good I just wasn't staying with my strength and once I figured that out again being able to throw a fastball a couple of years I think like 97 percent of the time um is 
pretty crazy when I think about it. Like I was only one pitch for 13 years, you know, so. There are very few relievers who can make that last. Uh, obviously, one of them was probably the best of all time. But what yeah. allowed your your one pitch to play as it did? Um, just even learning in Tampa to where, like, throw up in the zone with my fastball. The more I get it up there um, and how my fastball moves, because I, I learned later that I had two planes on my fastball, so – as the rise and the horizontal. So once I learned that and realized if I get it up there, it's, the hitters are going to have a hard time doing it. And, you know, just being consistent with it helped a lot. Was it a good and bad thing that analytics continue to progress during the course of your career? Like, were there things where you're like, boy, I wish I knew this when I was a rookie or in my second year or my third year, it might've helped me even more. Oh yeah. Big time. I feel like I, for me, I've, how all the analytics are now, I feel like I would have thrown my fastball a little less because how everyone's doing all the pitch design and different grips and little things of off of your main pitch. I feel like I kind of, I was behind the curve on that a little bit, but um, it's overall, I think it's the analytics is really good for the game. And I've always, always liked the analytics, even from Tampa. I got into it right away when they put a sheet on my chair the next day and how my pitches moved, you know? You obviously created a lot of good friendships in the game. Who are you still close to? Uh, I still talk to Wade here and there. I talk to Brian Shaw, who played with Colorado. Uh, Boxberger um, are like kind of the main guys I still talk to and had a lot of good memories playing with them. So, Was it weird uh, you ended up in L.A. at one point with Andrew? You're in San Francisco. Uh, Craig Albernez, their bullpen coach, Gabe Kapler played for the Rays too. And was it helpful in moving from place to place to have so many familiar faces? Yeah. When I think about it now, it's pretty crazy. Like every team I've been with other than that, um, like Albie was my roommate in double A and he was my bullpen coach, you know, and then being with uh, in LA when they called and Gomer and uh, Freeman were like, come on over. Like I had to drive from Denver to LA and they're like, if you get here on time, then you'll be on the open day roster. And I was like, all right, I'll take this opportunity. And then ending it with being with the Nationals and with Jim Hickey and Dave Martinez is kind of like crazy when I think about all the connections on different teams and knowing people for so long. So. When you think of some of your best memories with Tampa Bay, what are the moments, what are the on the mound that stand out to you? Um, For me, the main two things I like, like First major league strikeout was Derek Jeter and out in the big leagues with the bases loaded, even though I walked like two or three guys before that. <laughs> um, but I'll always remember that part of it. And then pitching in the game 160, 162 and Longoria hit the home run. Um, coming in, like the, I think it was like the 10th inning and getting out of a big jam. And then Longo hitting the homer the, the next half inning, just being a major part of that was, was really cool too. And then just every time we're in the playoffs and we're expected to win every year, which is nice. Can you walk me through the Jeter at bat? What you remember about that and and how nervous you might've been because it was your first big league outing. Yeah, I was really nervous. And I walked two guys before that. And then Derek Jeter comes up, bases loaded. And I throw a first pitch curveball for a strike to him. And then I, um, after that, I was like, oh, man, I don't think I can throw another curveball. I threw one first strike the first time. And then um, after that, I threw like two more fastballs and he 
I cut one down and in, he swung and missed it. And I just I couldn't feel my body ever. And says that, like, you feel like you're jello leg and stuff. And that moment was, was really cool. And I didn't really realize it in the time. I wasn't really thinking about it until <laughs> after. And then in the 2011 game, in game 162, um, walk me through the situation because that turned out to be a really big moment. If you don't do what you did, there is no Evan Longoria memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came in, I think he came in with a runner on first and then I got an out and then the next guy hit a bloop to left and then it ended up being first and third. I remember they put in Greg Golson, really fast guy, and there was only one out. Um, and then I got a ground ball a third and Greg Golson got it off a little too far. And Longo is able to tag him and get the out. Um, Cause if not, I could have given a fly ball and they, they would have took the lead on any sack fly or even like a hard ground ball. Um, if Longo doesn't make that play at third base, I, you know, I feel like we might not win that game. Were you trying to get a ground ball at that point or were you hoping you get a strikeout? I was, ho- I was hoping to get a strikeout, but um, I'm trying to remember the hitter. I don't know if it was, Posada or someone like that. And I remember I threw a fastball inside and they got jammed and hit it right to Longo. Um, and then it was that moment was pretty crazy. And then for Longo to hit the homer literally the next half inning and just like hearing the everyone in the stands heard the Red Sox lose. And then you can hear all like the sounds and stuff. And then literally the next pitch he gets a home run is pretty, it's pretty surreal. Is it weird with all the to, to think about the fact that you had so many moments, but here we are several years later, you're still the pitcher who's appeared in the most games for this franchise. And does that mean something to you? Yeah, it does mean something to me because when the, when I took the lead, um, it was like me, Peralta, I think Balfour, all those guys. And when I knew I was close to it, I was coming back from – uh, my torn meniscus and I was like all right I want to get at least at least like get the record and then I ended up throwing I think three or four more games the end of the season and I was like I want to get in one more game and I think it was like last day of the season and then I ended up I think passing crawls by one game so <laughs> it's pretty pretty cool to have that and I don't know if it'll get broken um, but we'll see well we're glad you have that mark still to this day and we're also glad that you uh, you know formally retired as as a, a member of this organization and we wish you and, and Morgan and your family, a lot of success going forward. No, thanks for having me. It's really, really cool to retire as a Ray and was cool to be able to throw out the first pitch. So. That's Jake McGee. And we certainly appreciate his time and that of Andrew Friedman on our latest 25th anniversary podcast. We'll have several others during the course of this anniversary campaign. You'll hear from the hall of famers that are going in Wade Boggs and Carl Crawford later on in the year and other unique stories as well as podcasts as things evolve. Thanks so much for being with us. We will chat with you soon.